0: Okay, so I'm gonna ask you this question. I want you to think, what is the most uncomfortable that you've ever been? The most uncomfortable you've ever been. Uh, it could be uh, physically uncomfortable, emotionally uncomfortable. Uh, what, what is the, the point in your life where you thought, you know what, it does not get much more uncomfortable than this. Uh, I'll tell you, for me, it was when I was in South Sudan This was, I don't know, seven years ago, I guess. Man, time flies. I used to run a nonprofit where I was traveling around the world and I was writing about, you know, the local church and writing about injustice and, and what God was doing to combat injustice around the world. And so I was in South Sudan and it was pretty much miserable, physically miserable. So I was staying in this small little kind of cinder block house. I had a room to myself, which was nice, but it was about 90 to 95 degrees and very humid all the time, indoors, at night. So I at night, I had this little thin foam pillow. I had two of them. And I would literally sweat through the pillow every single night and have to swap them out throughout the night. I barely slept more than a, an hour at a time before I had to like roll over to the dry part of the bed because I was constantly sweating. And I would get up in the morning and I would bathe with murky, tepid, uh, river water from the White Nile River, and it was very gross. And that was my uh, that was my day-to-day experience. But then on my very last night in South Sudan, uh, you know, I had you know mosquito netting up and things like that. And on my last night, for whatever reason, I was dumb, and I kept some uh, some local peanut butter that I had had, and I, I had. He- Was hanging it from a little hook on the wall so it was it was about this far off the ground what i didn't realize though is that when you leave peanut butter in a place like that you get rats and so i got rats that night uh, my last night in south sudan i'm lying there and i hear this little scrabbling and i look down and there is a a rat no not joking the size of a house cat that is stretching all the way up to be able to like scratch at the peanut butter trying to get it even though it was hanging off the wall. And as I'm lying there thinking, oh no, what am I going to do? I look up and I see a silhouette of a giant house cat sized rat up in the window. He turns, he looks at me and I realize just as he does that he's about to jump and he jumped right onto my bed and I'm freaking out and I'm so hot and sweaty and uh, I eventually went and I slept in another room that night because I was not about to fall back asleep. So. That was the most uncomfortable I have ever been in my entire life. That room in Gudele in South Sudan, outside of Juba. or uh, yeah. Anyway, long story, but basically, I know what it's like to be uncomfortable. And I grew up as a picky-eating, comfort-loving couch potato. So believe me, this was quite the uh, journey to get me to that point. So what was your most uncomfortable moment? I ask that because when we look at the book of Philippians, which we're doing today, it's important to remember that Paul, he wrote this book while he was in prison. And I'll talk more about that in a moment, but it was a very uncomfortable time for him. And yet he had a mentality about his experience, about his, his like what he was going through, that frankly uh, is pretty important if you're going through a very challenging or painful or difficult time of your life the only reason i was able to exist in south sudan is because i knew i had a bigger purpose right i had a bigger reason for doing that and uh paul's the same way and so that's what we're going to talk about so if you're just joining us we are doing a byob series bring your own bible and we're looking at the book of philippians If you haven't watched the initial message, I gave a big setup to the book itself, to the letter to the church in Philippi, but there's one thing I wanna remind you of, so I'm gonna go back to my map that I showed you last time. Am I over here this time? Yes, yes, nice, nailed it. See, I'm learning how to do this whole eye contact with the camera thing. So, okay, this is the uh, photorealistic map that I brought last week, and there are really just a a few key places to understand on this map. Um, Philippi is the city that is uh, where paul first planted a church in eastern europe it's the first european church uh, that we know of that paul uh, helped to plant and that church uh, is the church that he's writing a letter to uh, from prison now this prison could have been potentially in Rome eventually Paul does end up in in prison or house arrest in Rome and ultimately that's where he is executed and he did write some letters from Rome so it's possible that he could have had that been uh, the place where he wrote this uh, but it's also possible that he actually had a time of imprisonment in Ephesus and my personal opinion and I agree with uh, N.T. Wright, who's a theologian or a historian, a New Testament scholar, he believes that Paul wrote this letter from Ephesus. And uh, there's a whole bunch of nerdy reasons why. And if you wanna know kind of some more of the debate about the two differences between Rome and Ephesus, you can go on the Grace Church BYOB Facebook group. I, I just today put some... Uh, put some comments on there about that debate. Suffice it to say, I think it was Ephesus. And I gotta tell you, uh, writing a letter to the church in Philippi from Ephesus was probably not a very pleasant experience because uh, Paul was likely in chains, he was likely uh, being neglected. And one thing we know for sure about ancient jails or ancient prisons is that you would be pretty much completely on your own uh, to, to provide for your food, to provide for, for clothing, any medicine, any of the needs that you had, you had to provide yourself. There was no like cafeteria for the prisons, for the prisoners. So he had to rely on friends and family or, or his own wealth or whatever he had uh, to be able to, to survive in prison and this is where the church in philippi comes in because when they heard that paul was in prison they got uh, one of their own a guy named epaphroditus together with some he got some gifts some money probably maybe some food clothing we don't know some stuff together a, a care package for paul and he traveled all the way to either ephesus or rome and he brought paul this care package and it was a deeply meaningful thing for Paul to receive this gift. It was a powerful uh, reminder of just how much the love there was between Paul and the church in Philippi. And Epaphroditus uh, got really, really sick when he came. Uh, he almost died, according to Paul. Epaphroditus almost died when he brought Paul this. And I'm, I'm going to just use my imagination and think that when he was spending time hanging out in this uh, giant rat-filled you know prison that Paul was living in chained to the wall that Epaphroditus picked up some kind of a respiratory disease I don't know that's my imagination but regardless he almost died and ultimately Paul wants to say thank you to the church in Philippi to continue building into them and so he sends Epaphroditus back to Philippi with the letter that we have in our Bibles. And that letter says thank you, but it also says what's really on Paul's heart, both about how he's living in this world and how he feels about prison, and also what he wants the Philippians to understand and grow in uh, as they continue to follow Jesus. So let's look at what Paul has to say about his imprisonment because like I said before, he has a very interesting mindset. Not interesting, I'd say it's provocative. The mindset that he has that allows him to be perfectly satisfied being chained to a wall in a, in a dank, gross prison full, filled with, again, I'm presuming, house cat-sized rats. I don't know. So, here's what he says in verse 12 of chapter one so if you have a bible grab it and take a look at this and by the way we're reading from the new living translation i had a question about that online it is the nlt so here's what he says to the church in philippi he says and i want you to know my dear brothers and sisters that everything that has happened to me here has helped us spread the good news for everyone here including the whole palace guard knows that i'm in chains because of christ And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence, and they boldly speak God's message without fear. Now, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know that I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others, yeah, they don't have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message of Christ, about Christ, is being preached either way. So I rejoice. I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Okay, so let's stop right there. First of all, Paul's mindset. When he looks at all that's happened to him he says in in verse 12 everything that's happened to me has helped to spread the good news and if you know anything about paul you know that he really wants to spread the good news about jesus that is his whole reason uh, for for all the hardships that he endures all the beatings and the imprisonments and the shipwrecks and he, he goes on and on elsewhere talking about just how much he's experienced he does it all because the good news of jesus needs to spread. Uh, But he says there's these three kind of examples of why even being put in prison has been a really great thing for that. First of all, he says, uh, everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows why I'm here. So the people who are guarding him, now they're aware uh, of Jesus Christ. They're hearing this message. Now, they may not not necessarily believe it, but they at least know about it. And then he says in verse 14, because of my imprisonment, the believers have gained confidence. So the local church, they saw Paul boldly going to prison for what he believes, and they said, hey, if he can do it, Well then i'm going to do it too i'm going to preach with boldness so it was already having an impact there and then this one is so interesting to me because he takes a lot of verses to talk about this he talks about these other people who are preaching with selfish ambition to try to make his chains more painful for him so i'm a little bit confused as to exactly what that would be it's possible that this could be some of paul's sort of usual suspect enemies that he's always fighting against and basically there's this group of people that everywhere he went they would always seem to show up right afterwards and preach a gospel that was different from his they'd say yeah yeah Jesus is the savior but if you want to get his salvation you've got to become Jewish you've got to get circumcised you have to follow the law of Moses etc and Paul said no 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 No, it's by grace that you've been saved. It's not about works, it's about grace. So it's about belief. So it's possible that the people who are preaching Jesus out of selfish ambition are are taking advantage of Paul's imprisonment to get out there and spread their version of false teaching. Um, And that's probably a likely explanation, but there's also something else I thought about. I thought perhaps, perhaps it was not Christians at all Who were preaching about Jesus to make Paul's chains tighter think about this imagine like some local officials who know just how subversive Paul's message is they know that Paul's going around uh, preaching about a gospel that is not very friendly to Rome because it's very anti-imperial maybe they were going around just trying to stir people up to make them angry at Paul maybe they were going around saying have you heard about this guy Paul this guy, Paul, he is literally preaching that Caesar isn't the Lord. He's saying, no, there's this, this random guy, Jesus, that got crucified, that he's actually the Lord, that he's the Savior, huh? Can you get a load of that? We should probably keep him in jail, or something like that. So you can imagine, those people are going around, if that's the case, they're preaching out of selfish ambition. They're just trying to keep Paul pr- imprisoned, but on accident, they're going around preaching about Jesus as the Savior, that Jesus is the Lord. I don't know, regardless paul's very happy that it's happening because he's like you know what it's all because i'm in jail it's great so okay that's his mindset he's able to be be satisfied knowing that, that the gospel is being preached how is he able to have that kind of a mindset like what what is going through his mind to be able to be so okay with his terrible terrible circumstances Well, I think the the answer boils down to the way that Paul saw the world. And it really kind of boils down to this. He looked at the world and he looked at his life and he understood it is not about me. It's not about me. That is as simple as it can get. That was his mindset. It's not about me. So he's able to be completely satisfied with, with what's happening to him. And I think this really comes down to his mindset about who Jesus is. If you look over at chapter 2, and we're going to talk more about this next week, uh, he says to the Philippian church, look, you've got to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. When you look at your life, you need to look at it the way that Jesus looked at his. And then he goes into this beautiful poem and he says this, though he was God, though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Or the literal Greek there says, he emptied himself. He emptied himself and he took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore... God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he looks at Jesus and he says, okay, if Jesus Christ emptied himself and he's God, then why wouldn't I do the same? Why wouldn't I empty myself? It's not about me, right? So if I'm gonna be in prison, then great. As long as the message of Jesus is spreading, I'll do whatever is necessary. Let me, let me stop right there and ask you this. When you look at your life, you think about your own decisions, your own relationships, your, the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time. Can you honestly say, it's not about me, Can you say that? Can you, with a straight face, can you say, yeah, it's not about me. I live for something greater. Because that's what drove Paul. In fact, look at kind of his logic here as we continue reading uh, chapter 1, verse 20. His logic is wild, and I think we so often just skip right past this, but this is what he says. He says, yeah, I I know that, you know, no matter what, this is going to lead to my deliverance. For, he says in verse 20, I fully expect and I hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ, as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or I die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. (laughs) But if I live, I I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I don't even really know which one is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long, of course, I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Okay, this is insane. I I love this. I love his, his logic here. He's basically saying, okay, look, it would be great if I could die in prison because then I get to go be with Jesus and that's what I want and that would be awesome for me. But it's better for you if I stay alive. And guess what? It's not about me. So I think I'm gonna survive this. I'm gonna get out of prison. That's literally, he puts two and two together and he realizes if I get out of prison, it's worse for me because I don't get to be with Jesus right away, but it is better for you. And since it's not about me, I'm gonna get out of prison. I'm pretty much confident of that. Okay, to me, that, that blows my mind. That's his logic. Isn't that crazy? That's how he sees the world, because for him, it is not about me, it is about Christ. It is about his message. It is about healing this world in his name. It is about bringing his kingdom, and that's it. So whatever happens to me, totally fine. Can you imagine having that mindset? In verse, uh, in verse 20, the second part of verse 20, he says, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. The Greek, the literal Greek there says, I trust that, uh, that Christ will be exalted, made, made, made huge, made bigger, made better, through my body is what he says. Tr- Christ will be exalted through my body. And here's why I think he says that. He does not say that I think Christ is going to be exalted through my thinking, through my beliefs. I don't think he says uh, Christ is going to be exalted through my feelings, through my heart. It's not going to be exalted through the, just the things that I say. It's going to be exalted through my body. Okay? Now here's why that's important. Okay? This was a, a, uh, I will won't get into the Neoplatonic worldview of Paul, but I'll just say this. For him to say that Christ would be exalted through his body is a shorthand way for him to say that every part of his life was going to lift up and exalt Jesus. Everything within him, who he was, how he lived, what he experienced, would lead to Jesus being exalted. That's his mindset towards the world. And why is that an important thing? Because his life had been transformed by Jesus. He understood that Jesus was the risen king, that Jesus was God in the flesh, the creator who was longing to reconcile all creation. Of course he was gonna give his life to that, to that God who had saved him from a life of selfishness. That is Paul's mindset. It's not about me. It's not about me. Even my very body, my life, it's about him. It is about his message his life his glory so okay that is a pretty simple way to capture paul's mindset about being in this potentially rat infested chain locked uh you know prison dungeon that he might have been in we don't know all the specific details but we do know how he felt about it paul felt that there was nothing more important than the message of jesus spreading into this world, and lives being changed because of it. So for me, when I think about that, I go straight to introspection. I think about my life. I think about my own choices. Do I live in such a way that I can honestly say, it's not about me? Do you? This is the question I would love for you to think about right now. As you look at your life, look at at this year, 2021. Ask yourself, when you think about the the choices that you are making, the way that you are living, the things that you are buying, the people you're spending time with, the things you're saying online, are you doing it all in a way that's not about you? Are you doing it for Jesus? Because that is the mindset of someone who truly has surrendered to Christ. It's not about me. It's about him no matter the circumstances. That's my challenge to you. Think about that. Pray about that, friends. Is it about you? Or is it about him?